Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus the five rings podcast with Dwayne rollins and kevin laramay on the sports podcasting network Follow us and listen to us live on Twitter at Five Rings Podcast and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Sports Podcasting Network for more content. And good day, good night, welcome to the Five Rings Podcast. I'm Kev Larmey, joined by Dwayne Rollins, as always, and today we're going to review Day 14. And please indulge us. This is a show years in the making for multiple reasons for Dwayne and I. From the race walk to the football to the Olympic tournament, multiple medals, decades in the making. Dwayne, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. It was a, a pretty good day, Olympic-wise. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, it, it merged both worlds because... I, I don't know if you're aware, but the Canadian women won a gold medal. I mean, we can talk about whether it was fair or just. Or it, <laughs> it was. They won. They scored. Well, they didn't score more goals. They, they won the skill competition. Yeah, they scored the, the one goal. I guess they, they won the skill competition during the game, too. Jesse Fleming built her statue. Steph LeBay, best keeper in the country. Christine St. Clair, Olympic champion. Yeah, and that's that's the the takeaway from this. And look, I've been reading a lot in the last couple hours about uh, reactions to this, and, and that's the universal. It's all but her. And you know what it should be? She's a delightfully modest, amazing athlete. And I've had the privilege to talk to her maybe six, seven times in my life. I wouldn't claim to know her, but I I dealt with her on a, on a media level, and you can really just tell when you when you talk to her when you ask her a question about football about tactics about something other than you know how are you inspiring young women she she lights up she loves this game she loves that team she it, it was amazing to see it happen it was amazing to see it happen of course we'll talk about that match later in the show when we talk about our medals for sure but it was quite a matchup for the win and i emotionally that's why we're doing this show later than normal and uh, of course we're really uh, happy to be able to cover this team through ups and down over the years. We've started talking about this team together in 2014. Dwayne started a long time before that, and it has been a long time coming. It was also a multiple sporting event happening on day 14. And before we start with our wood medal, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about. You, you talked to me about sport climbing last couple of days, and I have to say I watched a lot last night, the women's competition. And... I knew I was going to like this speed, but I've watched speed competitions. There's a lot of them on YouTube, and I've watched it in the last few months. The bouldering, though, that is fascinating to me because 
It's kind of like figuring out a puzzle. Then you see them think, and you see them look at the the layout and try something, and then they put the chalk and they try something else. And somebody looks at it, they're like, "Oh wait, they inspired me." It's a fascinating event. Bouldering is awesome. It is unique in the sporting world. Like when you hear it explained to you, you you, you go like, "Why would I want to watch that?" Then you watch ten minutes of it, and you're like sitting there going. It's like a maze, like a puzzle, a movie playing out in front of you. It's incredible. If you don't know what it is, it's that they put a climbing wall on, and there's certain areas, parts of the wall that they have to get to to get points, right? Like, or how fast they do it and all that. Like, they're, they're climbing a wall, but they don't see it until they get out there. So, it's basically not just a physical challenge, it's a mental challenge as well. So, these guys, world class climbers, incredible athletes, you see these guys like they're guys and gals their strength is incredible they don't know how to get up this thing like they're they've got to figure it out in live time i think they have six minutes six minutes they have to to figure this out it's incredible to watch and you wouldn't think it is until you watch it but if you haven't check it out it's a great sport it really is and when you go for the top aspect you know and then you say i just had the woman who won the gold last night well she won the she won that aspect and i believe she ended up winning the gold too that slovenian but she's kind of like what's called a double dino. So that's when you jump and you land with both hands but nothing else. So imagine if you're doing this in the real world. <laughs> you're just jumping, leaping in the void with nothing and grasping on with two hands on that little inch of a, of a hold. That's such an impressive aspect. But I watched that and I really enjoyed too the 1500 meters, Dwayne, the woman uh, with uh, Kip. Uh, Kip Yegan, who won the first, she's a Kenyan, and Laura Muir second, and we had Sifan Hassan, who was going for the triple. She was trying to be the first person alive to get the 10,000 meters, the 5,000 meters, I believe, and the 1,500 meters gold medal. Only the 1,500 meter was left, and she finished third. The Canadian um, finish Stafford, uh, Duby Stafford finished fifth. Great performance, one of the best in the world, top five in the Olympics. That was a fun race to watch. I really enjoyed all the long distance or middle distance event in the Olympics. Yeah, the, the 1500 to me is the best race in track and field. I, I honestly think that. I mean, it, it's the mile historically. It, it's kind of been reduced in um, importance over the last few years, but I'm not sure why because I think it combines everything, you know, both sides of track. I think that's the, the meeting point is 1500. Like, you have to have speed for sure. Like, look at their split times. Very few of us could run one lap at the split times they run, let alone, you know, 1500 meters of it four and a half it, and, but it also involves that strategy so so it, it's it's just an incredible race and, and i think that you know i know we're metric focused but the that kind of the metric mile that mile race has always been a uh, an important thing you know the four minute mile still yeah. probably is the biggest moment in track history when it was broke broken which you know was 60 years ago now right but it, it still was that that human achievement was was amazing there so look yeah it, it's a great race it's a strategic race it's a great race to watch and you know it helps for us if you have a cheering interest in it which we did and if his place finished in the 1500 meter in, in the olympics is nothing to snuff at uh you know i think the older i get kevin the more i realize how three is an arbitrary kind of number <laughs> you know <when> <laughs> like, so- why, yeah why is it podium three and not like five or, or just one i don't know it's a, it's a good it's a good question yeah. Last- some point, someone decided it. That's, that's <laughs> exactly. it well usually things that's why are things like this famous answer is well because 
<laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a great race, and it was yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the track competition has been amazing. It's a fast track. Uh, these athletes, perhaps because they normally are, they're used to having to to taper for you know the world championships every two years and the Olympics every four years. So basically, three of their four years they're tapering. So maybe that's why this has been so good because other sports only taper for four years, right? But yeah, it's been a great competition. They would have had to be ready for the World Championships anyways in just a few weeks' time. So if there wasn't for the postponement, so you're right. That's maybe why we're seeing yeah. the athletics competition still with new world records and still achievements and not just great victories, but also pushing the, the sport forward. No, absolutely. Eugene, Oregon, if you're in North America listening to this, the, the athletics championships in Eugene, which is a very famous place in the world of, uh, of, of track it's it's a huge track place so it, it should be a great games and they've been looking to get it for a long time and uh, the, the you know, birthplace of nike athletics and where phil knight revolutionized the world of track and field with shoes made of old tires absolutely and uh i was just gonna say if you talk to the track athletes they'll you know it's funny we, we've talked to evan dunty which we'll talk about him in a minute i'm sure uh before and he says the the world championships are every bit as important as the olympics to him and you know evan's kind of a funny guy he's a, a guy that is self-depreciating and all that so like his, his twitter profile said like world champion uh championship medalist olympic non-medalist prior to yesterday i don't know if he's changed it yet uh, i think though having watched his reaction to winning i think he changed it yeah the, the medal is good but anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure he changed it we'll have plenty of time to talk about evan dunphy one thing I really enjoyed doing, too, was the modern pentathlon, the quirkiness of it, the fact that you can have a dream dominate, and a horse that doesn't cooperate shatters your said dream. I feel bad for the athlete from Great Britain, but, you know, uh, there's another one from Great Britain that did great and actually won a damn thing, and, you know, there's been uh, other athletes doing good in that competition. It's so weird. And I was watching the laser run in particular, and then it was delayed for, for weather, of course. And then they start shooting a laser gun at targets and then start running. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, what? I forgot about that event. Where was that event all my life? Uh, kind of wish it was more of a laser tag event. But, you know, I'll take the laser run. I'll take the, the fencing because that's the qualifying event. It's fencing, the running with the horse. Oh, well, it's jumping with the horse. What a quirky event. One of the last few very fascinating events in the Olympics. Uh, yeah, look, I actually uh, I covered the Canadian uh, Modern Pentathlon Championships once when I worked for a daily newspaper. And uh, uh, I asked them, like, you know, what's it like to be in an event that everyone thinks is weird and shouldn't be in the Olympics? And they're like, well, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, I, I think there's an argument to be made that Modern pentathlon, which is only competed by maybe a thousand people in the world, probably doesn't deserve the Olympic place more than some other sports. But I'm never one to want to take a sport out of the game, so I will never argue that it is a it is a quirky um, military base kind of in its historical roots yes. uh, event. But hey, it, it's a it's it's different for sure I'll no I, I agree with you because if you take the event away from the olympics you condone that event to disappear because you take away their reason for existing the raison d'être or what have kept that sport alive which is the olympic participation if you like just like 
our wood metal, which we're going to talk in a second, which maybe is a good segue. You take it away, maybe it starts to decline in that sport, and then unfortunately, you take the pen, the modern pentathlon away from the Olympics, maybe you'll still have it at a weird event, and but it'll slowly just become just like the cheese event rolling that hill somewhere in Great Britain. It's not just about a quirky aspect. If you keep the top of it, maybe you keep the competition alive. No, 100%. And, and the, that cheese rolling thing is nuts. There's a great documentary on Netflix. If you've never seen it, that those people are insane. Uh, oh, they die. Like, there's people breaking their necks every year. Oh, yeah. The, well, yeah. The, 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 the documentary, I forget what it's called. But I'll, maybe I'll shut it out tomorrow. I'll look it up after this and I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. But yeah, go look it out. It's like weird sports around the world. They're all nuts, right? Anyway. <laughs> I've seen it. That and the. Uh... Oh, what's it called? The, the Italian one where yes. they kill each other. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to talk about. It's yeah. the calcio. The ca- Anyways, it's, they can fight. <laughs> it's basically you have 300 people and there's one ball and you can just fight. Oh, and, no. The, yeah, that, that Italian one. I was the whole time sitting there. I don't remember the name, but yeah, just going, well, what? what, what why? why? <laughs> I think we actually did a show on the Fabric Podcast on that one day, like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah qu- quickly, uh, no, the Olympic, the, the five rings matter. Um, well, the podcast matters, but the actual five rings matter a lot. I mean, I I, I love curling. It's a big uh, sport that I, I follow a lot, and I followed it for a long time. And before the Olympics had it, like it was kind of like let's have a few drinks and go and, and be curling. The the very first uh, curling gold medal ceremony had a guy with a rum and coke in his hand. Not a word of a lie. A guy with a rum and coke came up to the podium to get his medal. Hey guys, now, thanks, thanks, cling, 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 cling. Here, here, the glut, the clinging of the ice cube. Exactly. Now you look at those curling athletes. Yeah, athletes is the key. Yeah, you and I. People always say, "Oh, I'm going to be a curling Olympian." No, and you're no. not. <laughs> Robert. No. Robert from the bowling alley ain't making it to the curling tournament. Okay. No, they're rock stars. Look at them. The, the the front end. Got, yeah. Ooh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. All right. Let's speaking of 50 kilometer race walk. Let's talk about our wood medal for day number 14, and that is the. Taking away of the freaking damn 50 kilometers after this year, we saw the last Olympic 50 kilometer race walk last night. And this makes me sad. The fact they're taking it away, it won't be competed in the 2024 games. Who knows for after? Only the 20 will stay. It's an event that, yes, it's different. It's long. It's an endurance event. Three hours, almost four hours. And it's really hard to sell tickets to. Because it's, it's outside. It's the fact that they only make it the way they do also doesn't help, right? If you make an actual like course, and you can actually like, anyways, they don't help it by just making okay one kilometer left and one kilometer one way and then back. Anyways, don't get me started on the lack of respect for this sport. This is an in, unique effort, and that has its place at the Olympic. The fact that there's no other events that are similar when it comes to the effort that is demanded to perform at it. So that says a lot. And they're taking it away. And it's unfortunate. I love long distance stuff. I watch every single second of that 50 kilometer. And I was riveted yesterday. And I was sad when it ended. Well, I was happy. I was really happy when it ended for other reasons that we'll talk about in about 10 minutes. But I was sad also because it was the end of it. 100%. Look. The Olympics, you know, they were founded on the, the principles of higher, faster, stronger. They, they want to test the, the limits of the human achievement, right? And to a certain extent, they do that. But what they really fail at is with the endurance events. 
um, I would argue that not only the 50K walk should remain, but they should actually add a, a running competition that lasts more than, you know, 26 miles. So uh, you're talking about it, like either an Ironman triathlon or an Ironman or an ultra marathon or something, maybe not akin to an ultra marathon, but somewhere higher than at least a full marathon. Yeah, no, I, I think I've talked about in this show before how I, I became friends with a, an ultra marathoner who was, well, she was the number two ranked ultra marathoner in Canada for what that's worth, right? And, and she was a different cat for sure because she didn't necessarily care about her ranking and all that sort of stuff. It was about testing themselves. And Evan's kind of a bit like that too, right? Like those distance people, it's about the internal battle more than the metal. But at the same time, as we saw with him yesterday, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, you know, the metal kind of matters too. Look, to remove this event and to remove this event for no particularly good reason is just strange to me. Like that watching it last yesterday, it was the, it, it is an incredible competition. At one point, the, the Japanese athlete, a world-class athlete that's won medals at, at world events just collapsed from the, the effort. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's good, that someone's going to collapse, but ultimately the Olympics is about pushing yourselves to extremes, right? And look, to, to take that away, yeah, they, they're losing something. And it is compelling to watch for three and a half hours, but it is. If you've ever watched a distance race, I mean, you're not necessarily staring at it in the same way that you're staring at a basketball no. game or something, but it's there and you're following it and you're sort of understanding the strategy. Like Exactly. Uh, it's very similar yeah. to cycling, right? There's a very, there's a kinness, there's a kinship with cycling. Just the way it is described with the Peloton, with chases, with the leader, with, with even how you gauge your effort. It's a different effort, a different type of effort, but it, there's a lot of similitude between the two. And it's the tr like the, the walking or running, the athletics version of, of what a cycling race could be, a long distance I wouldn't say low effort because the effort is high, but it's not like high intensity, right? So, but even then, they're they're running faster than I would run. <laughs> so they're walking so fast, but yet again, the fact that they're taking it away, it's unfortunate. But maybe it's just temporary, and that's what we can hope is maybe we can change things, and maybe the future has the fifty kilometer back in it if enough people demand for it, or if you organize the Olympic one day. As a country, if you're listening to this, maybe uh, L.A., L.A. in 2028, you got nice beaches. That would be a nice venue to have a 50-kilometer race walk just on on that walkway on Venice Beach. Come on, put it back in. Please, L.A., you can do it. Well, y yeah, like the road races don't require the building of venues. There's no money outlay to, to host these things. You just have to map a course out. Hopefully not a 2K loop. Because over 50k, that's a bit silly. But I know that's what it, it makes me so mad. I was I was talking to my 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 significant other, my partner, and we were talking to each other, and we're like, so imagine if they would treat it like the cycling, would they make like a nice, a, a nice actual like track, or like what I mean, the circuit? To be like, okay, it's a, a five kilometer long, and it's ten ten loop of it, and there's a little climb, a little descent, you know, not too much because you don't want to get too extreme here in, in race walk, but yeah, that's something they could do. That's part of, well, uh, you know, guys, we'll, we'll just have you run around these corners, okay? And there's going to be cones. Just go back and forth, do it 25 times, makes 50 kilometers, and then we can call it a day. Might, might as well just done it on the track in the stadium. Right? <laughs> why why not? Well, yeah. 
Well, that'd be seriously. what, 7,000 laps for them. Well, yeah, but seriously, what would be a big difference? The lap is just twice as long. That's all. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. that's our wood medal for day number 14. Moving on to our poutine medal for today. It's another long-distance athlete, but this one has done something that no Canadian had done before. Winning a medal in a long-distance event on the track. First long-distance medal ever for a Canadian athlete. 5,000 5, meters, Mohamed has won a silver medal. It looked like a freaking fourth spot for a long time. And then the final 100 meters stepped in. And then his kick kept in. I can't even talk. I'm so excited. And he started running and caught everyone. And then it was like, if this, he's going to catch, he's going to catch. Oh, no, he did not catch the Ugandan, but, you know, he caught everybody else. Silver medal for Mohammed. Absolutely. It was a great race. And, you know, for the longest time, the, this country didn't really have a history in, in those kind of events. Uh, it, it's great that he's doing that. It's, it's, it's great that he's able to do that. And, and more to the point, though, like he's a he's a cool dude. Like he you ever talked to him, his confidence is sort of stagger is amazing. And, <laughs> and this is a guy that came to Canada, a Somalian refugee, uh, you know, 20 years ago or so. Uh, it's a great story. He, he didn't grow up in the wealthiest part of the city I'm in. And it's it's just awesome that he's able to do this and able to do this so strongly. Uh, they've talked a lot about him. I've seen a lot of profiles. Maybe it's because of a Toronto. So he's a Torontonian. So they, there's a lot of people talking about him and, and like how people that grew up with him just were like, yeah, I know he was, we could tell from the time he was like three that this is a different cat. This is going to push himself to, to new limits. And uh, yeah, that, that was a great thing to see. And, you know, silver medal. And I think the longer the distance, the more perspective they all get. So I'm sure he will have a little bit of perspective, but the, still those top three matters. So, you know, silver medal, great result. And he's, I think still got more to come. Yeah. He might do more eventually on the track. He's still, well, you not know, this game is the dumb, but yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I wanted to confirm. Just something like, yeah. he's not going to win the marathon. Okay. The, don't expect these. I don't even think he's participating. It's not on the track. So, but you know, you never know, but, Dwayne and I have been waiting for a long time to talk about this one. And this is a brand new edition. This is a super poutine medal for the first time in history. We have a medal in the race walk. Evan Dunphy, friend of the podcast. Someone actually came on the podcast a long time ago. Actually became a medalist after. The first in the history of this show. Bronze medal in the 50 kilometer race walk. And Dwayne, and Dwayne, I'm going to transport you to the last 250 meter of that race. We don't even see it. We just see the first ones. And then you have like, you got the Poland guy who's way ahead of everybody. And then you had the the, uh, the German Helbert. And then Tur, the Spanish Tur, who I thought it was Turkey. No, no, his name is Tur. That's why I said Tur, not Turkey. He's Spanish. And you had a Portuguese. And then you had Evan Dunphy. And you're like, oh, man. And he looks... He looks, he looked with no more energy. He looks literally drained. And then you're like, all right. And then we're just watching the guys cross the line. And then at the distance further, we just start to see a red cap. Start running faster and faster. Or walking faster and faster. And, and where's the Portuguese? The Portuguese disappeared. He's still missing. I still don't know where Vieira, the Portuguese is, but he disappeared. And then Turk just stopped. 
it looked like a stop, but no, it was Evan Dunphy walking the run of his life, fueled by Kraft Dinner and crossing that line in third position and the yell of joy that was heard around the globe. Evan Dunphy, Olympic medalist. Evan's just a good dude, man. Like, look, he's been on the show three times, actually, and I've talked to him a few times, like, consistently for a few years now. Like, you know, I don't know him in real life. He lives on the other side of the country, but I, in the weird modern way, I would consider that man a friend, right? So to see someone that I kind of know win a medal was just amazing. It was incredible. I was screaming at my TV when I saw him in third phone through. It's, it's such just, a shame that there's no images of him overtaking the Portuguese guy <laughs> because that's what I mean. The guy's missing. I'm like, where is he? I don't know. Did he even exist? Is that Portuguese athlete a fiction of my imagination? I don't know. But Dunphy came in third. Third just like stopped walking. He was, oh, what a kick. What an end of that race. And then you just, you hear the commentator, oh, wait, Dunphy, Dunphy's coming for bronze. And then I'm like, oh, my Lord. Oh, I was, I was yelling at my TV screen during race walk. No, 100%. Yeah. Uh, hot tip to the Portuguese dude. That, that Portuguese dude is 43 or something. Like, he's in his 40s. Amazing. For, for yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. He... <laughs> Where did he go, though? <laughs> well, he, he got passed. Like they, the, the thing about the race walk is it, it, they blow up real good. When they blow up, they blow up real good, right? Because they're pushing themselves to a limit that very few of us can understand. Um, the fact that he had that much energy reserved at the end was just incredible. And, and you know, I, I they were showing the uh, Polish athlete winning. So it had a, a long, a long shot. So there was a wide angle, and I could see in the background. I'm looking for Evan. I'm like the pole, yeah, good, good. He's winning. I'm looking, and I, and I could tell that he had passed into third. And I was like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> I felt the um, same way. I, I think, I think that it was strategy too, because there was a point yes. in that race that I actually tweeted out that I wanted to make sure that people understood how amazing this accomplishment was for him and how to respect him as an athlete like i i felt like almost a personal connection to it which is ridiculous i get but i so i tweeted out a, like a few minutes earlier like it doesn't look like a medals in the cards but everyone should be proud to support this guy so the fact that he was able to overcome two people after he looked like he was falling behind like the pack dropped him for a minute but i think that it actually was strategy that he did that but it he was, realized the gold was done gone yeah and you know that that's fine. Like the amazing race, the guy that won, like he, this was like his first, like real big 50 K. He thought that he had it. He pushed himself. He was failing at the end, but he knew that he had just enough to hold on. So God bless him. He wanted it and good for him. But I think Evan just at one point said, if I'm going to win, beat these people around me, what I need to do is rest for about 10, 15 minutes right now. Not rest in a way that any human like us would conceptualize <laughs> like, not, it. But... Not sleep, but just not push it. Just just keep your your same stride and not over over exert over over exert your technique so you get a foul or something. But I think there's also the fact that he had a hamstring problem. And he was talking to his hamstring. That's a, the funny aspect. You were talking about the quirkiness of Evan Dunphy that we love, and that's one of the reasons why long distance athletes and distance athletes like this are are made of a different fiber because they have to understand pain and they deal with pain in the different way than normal human beings do because they live next to pain and they walk with pain and they push that suffering all the way to its brink. That's what cycling is. That's what race walking is. And that discussion between Evan Denfi and his hamstrings saying, look, 
You hate me right now. I don't like you. You don't like me. You're making me hurt. I make you hurt. Things are not going well, but look, buddy. Give me all you got right now and forever. We'll have a medal. We'll be something. Let's make a deal. Give me everything you have in 10 minutes, and then we're good to go. And then that conversation, I'm, of course, paraphrasing that conversation. I have no idea if it happened this way. But for sure, there was probably an aspect of I'm hurting. You're hurting. Let's do this together, buddy. Talking to a muscle, of course. And then at the end of the day, you had enough and the last kick. But yeah, it's a similar strategy that Mohammed used in his silver medal run at the end. Sometimes that's what you got to do in long distance is keep it all just at the end and trying to go for it. Go for broke. Leave it all on, at least in this one, in the street. Yeah, you know, 100%. Look. As a final thought on this, I'm sure I'll have an opportunity to talk about this man again at some point. But he, he's always sort of said that the the trinkets don't matter. Um, he, he's right on one level, and that's why we love him because he keeps things in perspective. He he has always fought for clean sport. He has always fought for justice. He he was ambivalent about even going to Japan because of the COVID situation. He's not an athlete that's selfish or. Um, you know, only focused on things that are, are ultimately irrelevant. He, he understands what he's doing and its place in the world. But, you know, when he crossed that line and he had his Olympic medal and I, he's absolutely, if he wasn't a race blocker, Kevin, he would be your co-host. Like he is absolutely an Olympic geek. He was talking to us on Twitter six hours before the damn race. Like, Get off your phone, Evan. You've got a race to run. But it's... <laughs> yeah, uh, we've seen this uh, the last few Olympics. It was the same in Rio too. Like I remember it clearly. Uh, yeah, but uh, and in, yeah, and through, uh, for all intents and purposes, in Rio, what he did was a medal-winning performance too. Even if he finished fourth, so yeah, what a career. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll, and it's it's he's not done yet either. He he said he's going to figure it out, even though his fifty k is his preferred uh, distance. He'll he'll adjust and, and see what he can do. And and this is a guy that has has his medal. So if he finishes fifteenth in the twenty k or whatever it is in three years, I'm sure he'll be satisfied with that. But all I was going to say to end that is, as much as he wants to, and, and I understand this is a guy that you know talks bravado a lot myself sometimes in, in the world i have a podcast i i talk bravado sometimes it's sometimes you undersell what you want and when you get it you're like okay yeah i really wanted that and, and when he, that scream at the end he's he, he's got his olympic medal he can change his bio congrats evan awesome man <laughs> yeah olympic champion and our super booty medal for day 14 will Take a short break. When we come back, we'll give you our bronze, our silver, and our gold medal for day 14. A day, decades in the making. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
And we're back on the Five Rings Podcast, live on Twitter right now, even on the Soccer Today feed. We're live here with both of you. Both of you are favorite podcasts in your entire world. Collaboration right now because it's a beautiful day. Make sure you don't miss our gold medal later today. But Dwayne, let's start our bronze journey today. It was quite a moment for this athlete and this athlete. Talk about two athletes, Harry Lefreisen and Jeffrey Hooglet of the Netherlands, both participating into the final of the team of the men's sprint on the track, dominating this event did the Netherlands do, but a great event, great to to watch that. And you know, I, I like the performance of Harry because he actually lost, a, it's a two out of three, and uh, he lost the first one, and he was able to win the second, and then win the third. Always like a come from behind win, but on the track, these muscly, crazy bike riders put on a show yesterday. And they're training partners. They, they they live a kilometer apart. So like you know, the fact that they probably had this race a thousand times and they're in their literally a thousand times. Going home, like, okay, I'm gonna race you home. Yeah, no, amazing. And look, the Dutch in general on the track, that they're an incredible beast of a of a program right there. I don't know what it is about the Dutch personality that makes them very good at events where they go around in circles going very fast because you know we're going to talk about that in six months the Dutch <laughs> speed skate team's very good um they always turn like, left they're so good at turning left maybe they should take on nascar there you go no but yeah they, it, it was incredible and they were clearly the the dominant uh program in, in that event the men's sprint which is a fascinating an amazingly fascinating and interesting competition that uh it, the cat, it's a cat and mouse game. It's so interesting to watch. If, you, if you've never watched it, you should. Well, I mean, if, you, if you've never watched it, why are you listening to the Five Brains podcast? But, but nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, Donnie, by the way, they, they start, and they're, they, they're together, and uh, eventually the first to the line win. So, so it's that simple. But who's going to go first? If you go first, I maybe can catch you. If you go too early, I'll definitely catch you. If you go too late, maybe there's going to be a run to the line, and maybe you never know. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, uh, th these guys are amazing. I wanted to get them in there. It was a great competition. The fact that it was one-two really underlines how powerful the, the Dutch program is. So that that's why they're in this spot. But, but having said that, Kevin, you're a cycling guy. I have a question. I always think about this when I watch the sprint. If you have more speed than your opponent, why don't you just go hell bent from the start? Because the speed is only conditioned to how long you have to maintain that speed for, right? So yeah. if I start too fast, if I start too early, I won't be able to maintain that speed. And maybe you have more endurance than I do. So then you'll overtake me to the line. And it's to gauge that effort. So that's that's the thinking behind either launching your sprint 150 meters out, 200 meters out, 50 meters out. That's the difference. And sometimes I have a bigger kick than you. But if I start before, if the other guy starts before and maintains it, and I wait too long, I won't have space to, to use my kick. So that's the strategy behind it. Fair enough. So I guess at the Olympic level, no one's so much better that they can't just blast away. The, oh, there, there is, but you can't necessarily do that with tactics. And I guess at the gold medal, like when it comes to the gold medal game or the gold medal sprint, the difference between one and two is not big enough. It's, it's strategy has to play a role in there. 
I just think, bear with me, if anyone from this world is listening, that it never happens. So if someone actually did it at the gold medal level, it would absolutely catch them off guard and you would win. That, that's my position. But anyway, no, it's a fast. This is why this thing is fascinating. Because you can think about stuff like this. Like, why don't you go here? And I love how they, they it's kind of physical. Like, they push someone up to the top of the track, so they, they force them down. They Someone's trying to play cat and mouse at the top so they can get the speed from going down the slope. It's amazing. It's a great sport. And, and yeah. the Dutch were amazing at it. And, you know, there's the women's uh, still come today. Watch it. There's if you, Especially for Canadian. There's a couple yeah. Canadians still. There you go. And the Canadians uh, stems from the alternate Milton. And they actually have a... Uh, High quality training facility to execute their craft now. So thank you, hashtag, to, to hashtag TO twenty fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Evan Dunphy won a gold medal in TO twenty fifteen. So has a lot of athletes we've talked about over the last couple of days. Uh huh. Yeah. No. It was. It turns out that there was uh, some value that that was there, <laughs> and I had a blast in that those two weeks. Like, oh my god. I look. I live in the city. I'm used to people that just want to moan about everything. So I kind of overplay this because i want to shake them anyway yeah 215 was fine it was good yeah, it cost us less money and yeah you know exactly. they even finished funny story quickly if you're not from toronto this doesn't really matter but you if you live in a city and understand how government works you'll appreciate this they started an improvement on uh, on the train station union station or downtown station in 2011 to improve it for to 2015 they finished those improvements last year no, last month. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, construction companies. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, but when did the Olympic Stadium get paid off? Uh, yeah, not that long. It was during the, during the run of the show. It was, during, it was during the Five Weeks podcast. You're correct. All right. He who has, shown, he who has never sinned shall cast the first stone, right? Mm. Let's talk about our silver medal. For day 14. And it is the 50 kilometer race walking gold medalist David Tomala, the Polish, very young, 24 years old, I believe. It was his first long event as a race walker, his first 50 kilometer internationally. And he did it three, three hours, 50 minutes, and eight seconds, enough to finish on top. Of this event, very hot condition, even very early in Sapporo, it wasn't enough to deter David Tomala, and he outwit, outpaced, and outwalked everyone. No, he he broke pretty early in the, well, relatively early in, in in a competition like this, and I think that the guys let him go because of the fact that he didn't have that resume. Um, he's was a 20k guy up until two years ago uh during the pandemic he he switched it up and decided he wanted to focus on the 50 which is i don't maybe an acknowledgement that he didn't have the top end speed i I don't know (laughs) why would you do it when you're gonna have to focus back on the 20 now anyways which by the way the 50k will still exist at the world championship level and uh, other levels in the olympics yeah no and those guys will absolutely compete with that and be satisfied with the results just like the ultra marathoner that i knew that they she didn't care that there wasn't an olympic element to it she just wanted to push herself right like that's what they how they go but no what i will say is that he he did that first and i will always respect an athlete and an endurance that breaks away by their own and holds on because that is the bravest thing that i can possibly think of because everyone thinks you're going to crash everyone thinks you're going to blow up 
Uh, I don't. I think that if this was a 52K race, maybe Evan catches him or someone else. I think it would have been Evan. But yeah, it's a 50K race, and he figured it out, and he broke away, and he got his medal. And, you know, the fact that he switched, as you just said, the fact that he switched away 18 months out of the games, knowing that this wasn't going to be a career thing, that he's going to have to switch back, I found that really honorable in some way that that he just said okay this is my chance i'm going to do it and he pushed himself and honestly that that thing is that race is nuts like i i (laughs) i I can look look, i I can comprehend it a little bit because you know i used to be like a weekend warrior jogger like once a week or whatever i I love endurance sport i can understand i used to cycle 100 kilometers once a month that was my that was my thing yeah yeah so so i i switched it up and started to speed walk like half as fast as them literally half as fast as them like i can do 10k in the speed that they that the women won the 20k at this morning like that that's literally i'm half as fast and when you there's a point in that where you you think i'm just walking like this cannot be hard but like your body goes like i need to stop now like it's incredible what they do it's amazing and we deserve to respect them and if this is the last time and if he's the last 50k champion a, a race that's been run since the 20s I think 26 was the first time it was in then hey respect man you got it done good for you it's now time to talk about a moment that we never thought would happen because we're not necessarily used to talking about Soccer, yeah, no, we're used to talking about soccer, but never for Canadian soccer when it's about winning a tournament. A gold medal today, to the surprise of no one, is Canada <laughs> winning the gold medal in women's soccer. The Olympic football tournament has a new champion. And Dwayne, a little fact Canada won once what was the ancestor to the World Cup of uh. Of soccer, 1902, to be precise. Uh, and Canada's the first. I think it was actually gold medal in soccer, 1902. First country to win gold medal in the men and the women's side. <laughs> awesome. I, I mean, look, <laughs> I, I could be historic for a minute here, historical for a minute here, and explain that there were only three teams in that tournament, and two of them were American. But I. Let's just go with that. That's that's just own that and celebrate that. That's amazing. Oh, what a penalty shootout! Because of course it had to finish in penalties. Of course, the only way Canada would win an Olympic gold medal is exactly how Greek uh, Greece won their their Euro in two thousand and four. Literally, not a single goal in the knockout stage. But we're not going to dwell on that point. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, in famous words of Vin Diesel, "You win by a mile or by a by an inch, you win," and that's what. It, what counts? Jesse Fleming, Christine Sinclair, Steph LeBay. Where do we put the statues? Because we're going to build statues. We need to build statues of this team. I want to see one in Edmonton. I want to see one in BC. I want to see one in Laval. Evelyn Vien deserves a statue. Please start building the statues. Look, we're being a little bit uh, <laughs> made and focused here, which we've done a good job, I think, throughout this Five Rings podcast, not really betraying that. We have our poutine medal. That's where we, we focus that on. But, uh, yeah, no, I have covered this team 
for a longer than I've been on this show, which I've been on this show for seven years now. And I was on another show before that for another four. So it was even before that, that I was covering it. So look, I, I, I have lived and talked about the Canadian women's national team for a very long time. To, to see them win today was emotional. There's no doubt about it. Like, I, and it's emotional, not just, you know, for my own whatever, but it's emotional for or the players and it's emotional for the, the, the fans. That There are fans I know that love this team more than anything else. I, they, they don't have another soccer team that they follow. They don't, whatever. Like, it's it's all there, right? And they love these women and they want to see them successful. And to see them win was amazing anyway. And look, we can, you know, nitpick. And if you're outside Canada, you can quite rightfully say that this was a bit, fortunate we'll say in terms of the you know a couple posts uh, eh, what what do you mean Dwayne I don't know just because Sweden attempted 30 shots that, that it was one-sided no no only six of them were, were on target okay it doesn't matter if you attempt 30 I'm just kidding it definitely do matter if you attempt 30 times but that's the type of game it was for rarely do we have fake clearly on one side the way Canada had it but, you know, I've been on the other side of that equation so long that I'll, I'll take it. 100%. Well, they, it doesn't matter. Like, I tweeted out a very sort of colorful uh, tweet at the end of the game. They blank one. That's all that matters. And that's the truth because this, this is a not so much the group, but a few of the players on this team and, and certainly the fans that have followed this team for a long time have, have you know, been to the brink and back. Like, the that game in... Uh, 2012, which you know got talked about a lot in this, these two weeks against the U.S. in the semifinals, where they were pretty much robbed of it. Like I can, I'm not trying to be bitter when I say this. Like the refereeing decision was atrocious at that point. If you can go back and watch that game with today's eyes, or make that make make like a VAR watch that game and see what decision he takes when the referee blows a whistle to call that six seconds. You know, if VAR existed, that. That game would not have ended this way. No, it was, it was bad. Like, and look, they just deserve it. Like, I mean, it was, it was an amazing accomplishment, and, and it really centers around one woman. Like, it, it centers around 24 women, but one woman in particular, and that's Christine Sinclair, who is the all-time leading goal scorer in, in football, both genders. I don't like doing the comparison thing, but it is both genders. Uh, she has carried this program on her back for for many many years she's 38 now she's not carrying this program on her back anymore uh she had one goal in this tournament it was the first goal in the first game um she didn't look particularly dangerous at times in in today but she did actually draw the penalty so that's worthwhile noting um everyone wanted to win and i was reading before we get on i'm reading international response to it like Americans and Swedes and everyone. It's like they're all talking about her. And that's a testament to how great of a career she's had and how happy people are that she that she got her moment. And the players were ecstatic. I'm mean, right now in my background, my TV has it on now and you can see her jumping up and down on my TV. It's just <laughs> incredible. And the fact that she was subbed off at the 85th minute is also symbolic. Once she was subbed off and I was telling myself, I'm like, this is this is going through extra time. It's one one. So this is a bit symbolic, and you should just just the look she gave to Jordan Heinema, and it'd be like, "Don't f it up," <laughs> like like look at her, and be like, okay, "Now now go and score for me, okay? Now, now do this for me," because of course, 
I can't do it. Now it's literally on you. And for the first time in my career, or at least in a long time, I'm giving the responsibilities of this team to somebody else because she was not involved in the penalty shootout. And the fact that Kanda won at that point, to me, is the perfect moment. And of course, we don't know if she's going to retire. The way she said goodbye to everyone uh, and the way that she said goodbye to everyone after the victory ceremony to Sweden, to the U.S. there, her teammates, of course, in the NWSL, all these teams. So is this the end for Christine? I don't know. But there's no better way, at least there's no higher way to close a chapter like the movie ends there in confetti and she deserves everything that comes in if she wants to stay for three more years and win another one i'm not going to say no because it's a young core group that's going to continue to be good but this gold medal no one will ever take it away no she, she's earned the right to do whatever she wants bluntly and, and I, I i'm not i've had the privilege to talk to her a few times in my life what I will say is that when you do so, uh, she is quite reserved. She's shy even. But if you ask her a question that speaks to the sport and speaks to the details, the tactics, the geekdom of the sport, her you can hear her eyes light up, right? She, she loves the game and she loves to be part of this. And, and her body, look, we all get older, man. Like, I, you know, I was never as an athlete like her, but even I understand that I can't do the same things I did when I was 24 now. Right. So she knows that. And whether she, if she wants to walk away on top, that that's her right. If she wants to play on until we have to drag her off the field, then that's her right too. Uh, it's just incredible. She got it. She's going to get a lot of um, credit today. A lot of talk today. Uh, it's going to probably embarrass her because as I said, she doesn't really like the attention, but you know, the, the women, when she came off, she was subbed for a woman 17 years younger than her. The girl that scored, the woman, I should say, that scored the, the goal is 18 years younger than her. Like the, <laughs> this, she is, she's their mom. Like these are, <laughs> this is a Gen Z team with one elder millennial <laughs> kicking around there acting as their mom. And that's incredible. But yeah, awesome. It's, it's awesome. An... It's like, I just, I can't really evaluate it. Were they the best team in this tournament? No. God no. But can they repeat this? Probably not. Does it matter? <laughs> Absolutely not. They're the gold medalists. One aspect of this performance that is shocking in a very good way is the performance of Stephanie LeBay. Stephanie LeBay has been hands down for me Canada's best player in this tournament. She has a she has a knack to save penalties. She sees where the player is going, at least the ball of that player is going, and, and she can anticipate it. In the quarterfinals, she stopped two in the needed time of the fourth and fifth penalty to propel Canada to that semifinal game where they were able to get the job done against the U.S. And in this game, she did the same two when it was needed. It was the fifth and sixth one here. Well, the fifth one was missed. She saved the fourth one. And the fifth one, of course, Sager, she booted uh, on top over the crossbar. And then she stopped the fifth one. And she stopped the first one, too, while the post of Aslani. But even if that one would have been on target, she was on the right side. I've rarely seen a goalkeeper with that type of skills. 
And that level of skill to stop penalties. I've seen Nick Romando in MLS. But that's what I was thinking about, seeing Stephanie LeBay anticipate. And it's not even a guessing job at that point. Well, with this amount of, of penalty stop in this tournament, like you're talking about four penalty stop. That's 40%. That's higher than any goalkeepers I've seen in my research during the Euro for years and years in the past. If you got over 27% of the penalty stops against you, it's amazing. But 40 in this tournament, 40% of the penalties she faced, she stopped. That's insane. Well, she stopped one when she was injured, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sorry, that's five she stopped because that one I didn't count because it wasn't in a penalty shootout. So there you go. So that's five out of eleven. That's uh, that's I, close to fifty percent there. Yeah, I know. Steph LeBay has been on this, not this show, but Soccer Today as well. So we've had the opportunity to speak to her. She's an interesting woman and smart, and incredibly thoughtful, motivated, um, and she's an example. She's a. I have a daughter, and my wife nicked the project, but I wanted to call her Stephanie. So there you go. Yeah, no, yeah, she's she's pretty incredible um artist too her heart art's amazing like she's an interesting interesting woman but uh yeah she also you know it's a still six months till i have to cast this vote but i'm pretty sure that steph LeBay will get my vote for canadian player of the year um i, I don't know how you can vote for anyone else i suspect sinclair will probably win for sentimental yeah, reasons but yeah that's true I'm but, voting, yeah, but um on the field yeah. reason you're right no one no one did it on the field it better than her because we didn't have like a goal scorer that scored like ten goals for Canada in the tournament or anything like that. No, it was Steph LeBay emotionally and on the field. And she's one of the ones that's been around the program for a while too, right? Like, uh, there's four women: Steph LeBay, uh, Sophie Schmidt, who only played one game, was basically kind of an assistant coach in in reality more than anything else in this in this tournament. But she she gets her goal too and has played an amazing role throughout her career. Mm-hmm. Or this and um, uh, Desiree Scott, or the other the other player that's been you're, around. For you're forgetting time. one, and you know who? She mm-hmm. didn't play a single minute in this tournament too. Don't forget the third goalkeeper for Canada, because she deserves this too. Erin McLeod missed oh. six minutes. She got her gold medal too. Absolutely, and you're right. I did. Yeah, I, I, you're right. And she was the, the best keeper in this country for a long time. And look, I. I like I said, I've covered this team a long time. Um, I doubted this team's... It's not that I've doubted this team's abilities. I have never, to be clear, anyone listening, been critical of these players and their effort and their desire and all that sort of stuff. What I've been critical of is is the resources and the efforts to give them the ability to be better. I, and I still am going to be going forward. But today was a day to celebrate and enjoy and awesome i can't be any more than a fan right now it's awesome it was amazing to see tactically was this the best choice for beth priestman during the entire tournament who cares they won the gold who are we to say anything that went wrong right they get luck on their side they get luck for penalty and the right calls yeah but you got to to win a tournament like this like every single team that i've covered in my entire life as a journalist from soccer to world championship and speed skating to other sporting events Winners always get lucky during their journey to becoming winners. That That's part of the equation. Hard work, dedication, motivation, talent, genetics, also luck, part of that equation. Absolutely. There's 100%.
block is a major and unspoken about part of sport. But what you have to do is put yourself in a position where you can benefit from luck. And if you do that, sometimes good things happen. If you get there, if you get to the dance enough times. Eventually you'll win it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They actually won it. They won it, Dwayne. And that's another gold medal for Canada. And let's take a look at the medal standings before we say goodbye for today. And uh, we have China on top of the medal standings. 36 gold. USA second with 31 gold. Japan third, 24. Great Britain now fourth overtook The Rock and overtook Australia. Now fourth with 18 golds. Maybe that'll change with the 10-meter platform today. All the best to the British divers. ROC, yeah, you know me, are in fifth with 17. Australia, sixth with 17. And Canada in 14 position. Do not believe the CBC. Canada is not 11th, okay? We do not count the total amount of medals. We go just like the rest of the world with the gold. And they have six. Will we have more gold? Will we get a seventh gold to equal the tally of... uh, When was it, Dwayne? Uh, It was uh, Atlanta, 96. 96. We'll see. But all that, and we did not even talk about the men's 4x1 relay of Canada winning a bronze medal. But congratulations, Under the Grass, for your full set of Tokyo medals. You got one of each color. And uh, No, sorry, you got two bronze. Yeah, oh well. He's still got and three medals. And, and quickly, he is uh, the all-time uh, male leader for, for medals in, in Canadian history now. So, so that's something to talk about as well. That's true. That's true. And uh, that's he's going to keep on going also all the way to Paris. But on that note, Dwayne and I will rest and get ready for day 15, the last full day of competition at the Olympics, Dwayne. Already. Last full day. Yeah, you know, I'm a little sad, but I'm also happy that I can actually sleep, sleep for a minute. But that, that it's all good. What is eight hours consecutive of sleep? I don't know. But on that note, thank you for listening to this edition of the Firings Podcast. You can follow Dwayne on social media at 24th Minute, myself at Kev Laramie, and this show at Firings Podcast. We'll be back with a brand new edition tomorrow for day 15. But as always, until then, have a great Olympiad.